Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. There were some wholesale changes on the defensive side of the football for a team that didn't feel like its defense performed up to expectations. Remember them going out and getting Bradley Chubb midway through the year, right before the trade deadline, signing him to the big extension, and then not getting huge results down the stretch. So whenever a team struggles in an area like that, doesn't fulfill its expectations, usually there are changes that follow. The changes that followed today came on the defensive side of the football. Four coaches let go, including the defensive coordinator. That is Adam Schefter from ESPN on the recent dismissal of Josh Boyer. Still waiting to see if it's official. Actually, we, we can ask our next guest. We are doing some off-season previews for the Bills' opponents. We started yesterday with the Jets. We were going to stay in the division this week, so Miami is up next. A lot of questions about the Dolphins, some of them surrounding the health of their quarterback. Joining us on the Western Hotline is Chris Perkins. He covers the Dolphins for the South Florida Sun Sentinel. He's with us right now. Chris, it's Howard and Jeremy. Good morning. Uh, nice to have you on the show again. Thanks for your time today. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I am uh, in New Orleans. I'm about to drive over to Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Uh, Dolphins have a second-round pick and two third-round picks. You know, they lost their first-round pick with, you know, typical Dolphins fashion with the uh, with the tampering thing. So, so we'll see what happens here, and, and uh, we'll see if they get Vic Fangio, and we'll see if they can improve on what they did last year. Chris, we joke not only the Dolphins get punished, a lot of the league gets punished because every draft pick number is going to be off by oh, one yeah, that's right. after Miami's pick is forfeited. <laughs> right, Bill- right, right. Thank, thank you again, Steve Roth, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's, incredible. The, okay, so Fangio, does uh, it, it appear it's going to be done at some point? If so, like we were talking about this yesterday, that that's a real nice pickup for a guy to turn that defense around, right? That would be a huge get for, for the Dolphins, but it would also be so Dolphins if they leaked this information prematurely <laughs> and the deal wasn't done. So we're we're going to wait and see. You know, I think that there is room for everybody to be correct. Um, because, you know, ESPN and NFL Network uh, reported that the Dolphins and Fangio, I believe, have, have agreed to terms or agreed in principle. And then Mike Silver reported that he had talked to Fangio and no deal is done yet. So I, I'm thinking that this might kind of be like the oral commitment in college football, right, where, you know, it, it's, it's non-binding and, and, you know, the guy says he's going to go there, but it's not official until he signs. So I'm thinking perhaps Fangio and the Dolphins have agreed to terms, but because nothing is signed, he's still able to talk to other teams and Mm -hmm. and fish around. So that's what I'm thinking is the deal, but who knows? Because it's the Dolphins, who knows? Yeah. One of the stories I read, the speculation was, I guess he's got Fangio, has a relationship with Kyle Shanahan, so is it possible he's waiting to see if D'Amico Ryans leaves, which he's expected to do, leaves San Francisco, gets a head coaching job, then Fangio goes and works for Shanahan instead? That is a possibility. That's, uh, yeah, that's that's one thing that's out there, and and so... You know, you you know, and 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 you would you would guess that the Dolphins are the ones who leaked the news that they've agreed to terms with Fangio. So 
again, you would hope that the Dolphins didn't jump the gun and, and leak this news prematurely, or, you know, perhaps there was a, a misunderstanding. But, I, I mean, I think everybody, even when the Dolphins were talking to Fangio, everybody knew that there was a chance that Miko Ryans would be leaving and, and that that job would open up. So, again, uh, we'll see what happens. But, yes, it, it would be a huge get. Now, I'll say this, that, that Fangio, you know, the way that the Dolphins played previously under Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator, they used the cornerbacks, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, to shut everything down. And then they played with Fangio. His team defenses are usually led by the front seven. So I would think there would be a difference in style for the Dolphins defense if the big Fangio takes over. I want to uh, certainly ask you about Tua Tungavaloa because so the Dolphins came out recently and said they anticipate him being back next season. He's their quarterback going forward. But if you're the Dolphins, do you just take that and you don't have to worry about it? Or do you think they would pursue I mean, is it Teddy Bridgewater? Do they need to pursue a backup plan in the event that Tua is not healthy and can't play at any point next season? They do, yes. And, and, and you know, it, it's really a, the, the whole Tua thing has been very bizarre. And we'll start from the back and, and work forward through the season. But, you know, we recently saw the news that the Dolphins have no plans to pursue Tom Brady. That was leaked. We saw the news that that Tua is still in concussion protocol. That was leaked. But then publicly at the season-ending thing, the Dolphins made it very clear that Tua is going to be their starting quarterback for 2023. And so I'm wondering, what is is the advantage in leaking that Tua is still in protocol and in saying that they don't intend to pursue another quarterback? I mean, are are they going to say, we back Tua all the way up to the wall, but then – you know, we figured we couldn't do it. The guy stayed in protocol too long, so we had to go for see Tom Brady. Or I, like, I'm very cynical and skeptical, as you can tell. Yeah. I should just take this news at face value and say that the Dolphins are further solidifying that Tua is their starter, and they're just being honest and saying he's still in protocol, and they're showing that they're being cautious. But I, I wonder who leaked it and what's the advantage. What are you trying to? What message are you trying to send by leaking that information? But getting back to your your thing. Uh, to your question, yes, they do have to have a backup plan for Tua. And with all the, the Tua coddling that we've seen, uh, I wonder if you bring in a backup such as a Baker Mayfield uh, who has designs on being a starter and he goes, say, 2-0 and or 3-0, and is that going to spark a quarterback controversy? Uh, is that, you know, Tua's out with another concussion and now Mayfield has taken over, maybe Mayfield should be the starter – we saw what happened with, with Tua and Brian Flores and, and kind of the mental beating that, that Tua took and Ryan Fitzpatrick is coming into games. I, I, one thing that McDaniel was very good at doing last year was propping up Tua and saying Tua is our guy and he's mm-hmm. a good quarterback. So I, all, all the Tua news, I I'm always, always wonder what's the ulterior motive behind it and, and what are they working towards. Chris, the Dolphins are obviously trending up. They made the playoffs. What are the biggest needs you think this franchise has going into the offseason? I think cornerback, uh, offensive tackle, and running back are, are among the three biggest needs. At corner, we don't know if Byron Jones is coming back. Xavier Howard made the Pro Bowl, and it was a down year for him. Uh, they get Nick Needham, the slot cornerback. He, he's, uh, he was out with Achilles um, for like maybe the last 10 games or, or maybe longer than that. So, um, and then an offensive tackle, you know, Saron Armstead on the left side, um, he, he barely was able to play against you guys. You know, you saw that he went out shortly before halftime with a hip injury, but he had hip, ankle, toe, 
and knee injuries. He's going into his 10th year. He's a Pro Bowl player. He made the Pro Bowl, but I'm not sure Teron's going to be around for another couple of years. Uh, and then you'll need a right tackle to protect to his blind side. And, and uh, inside linebacker will be another position, but running back, um, you know, that was the Mike McDaniel thing where they were second to the last in the league in attempts. Uh, they had two decent running backs, but you, you would like to get to get an upgrade from uh, Jeff Wilson and, and Raheem Mostert. So, so those are the positions that, that I'm thinking, cornerback, offensive tackle, running back, and then inside linebacker. Final thing for you, Chris, evaluate good and not so good. But So give us your evaluation of Mike McDaniel season number one. Oh, boy. Uh, I was a lot harder on Mike McDaniel than a lot of people. I thought that offense kind of gave out late in the season. A lot of people chose to play in the defense. I blame the offense. Uh, you can't just score 17 points at San Francisco. You can't just score 17 points at the Chargers. They did well in the two games against uh, against you guys, against Buffalo, uh, scoring 29 and, and 31 points. But those were the outliers for the second half of the season for that offense. So Mike McDaniel showed that he was a rookie coach with the play calling, with uh, you know just trying constantly trying to go to to uh, Ty, uh, Tyreek Hill and and uh, Jay and um, and Jalen Waddle, when, when you had uh, the, the tight end, Mike Nasicki, that they didn't use, you had a running game. And, and uh, so that was, that was one thing that he did. And, and then the, the play calling and the clock management, you guys saw that up front in the playoff game. It was off. Yes, you had a 13 quarterback, but you had played with backup quarterbacks for a good part of the year. That process should have been smoothed out. So I, gave, I think I gave McDaniel a B- minus because things fell apart that five-game losing streak at the end of the season. But, again, he was a rookie head coach. He should be better next year. So uh, I, 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 do the Dolphins make the playoffs next year? I don't know from where we sit right now. I've I probably got him around nine wins again. And, and Mike McDaniel, has, he, he's got, that's the number one thing for me. Uh, above Tua being healthy and, and, and better, I, I think Mike McDaniel has got to be better. Well, Chris, uh, first, thank you for coming on with us. We always like having you on the show, and uh, have fun in Mobile. Okay. All right, guys. We'll, uh, we'll talk later, I'm sure. Thank you, Chris. Chris Perkins from the South Florida Sun Sentinel. He brought up running back, by the way, and one of the things I did see a, an article in Miami Herald about running back and who they might go after in free agency. One of the names mentioned was Devin Singletary. Hmm. Uh, South Florida guy, Florida Atlantic University. Maybe bring him in. I wouldn't think it would cost him a ton of money to get Devin Singletary. So keep an eye out for that because I don't think Devin Singletary's back here next season. I would assume he's going to be elsewhere. The Ravens have announced that Tyler Huntley is going to the Pro Bowl. I'm going to get to your calls in a moment. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And he's doing it because Josh Allen is going to miss the game with an injury. This is something that's going to be kind of funny. Josh will miss the Pro Bowl, according to the NFL, with an injury. He will be on television on a different channel playing golf. Yeah. So they can't say he just doesn't want to go, right? They have to say he can't play. This is like when I used to tell my mom I couldn't go to school because I was sick, and that night in the schoolyard, I'm playing softball with the guys in the neighborhood. Yeah. I guess. I guess what I've learned now is you don't need your UCL to swing a golf club. I mean, Josh did this last year, too. His elbow's okay to go play golf? Yeah. Okay, fine. He skipped the Pro Bowl last year to play golf in the the Pro-Am, and he's doing it again. And it is just funny (laughs) that it's got to be television. They cannot say he's chosen to golf instead. Aaron Rodgers is golfing, too. I don't know if he made the Pro Bowl, but or if he would have been far enough down the list. How many touchdown passes Tyler Huntley have this year? 
Uh, boy, he played a whole bunch of games. Three. Two. Ah. I was looking at the entire list of quarterbacks and who has two touchdowns to see if there was any position player that had two. Like Braxton Berrios hmm. threw a touchdown. Yeah. Taysom Hill threw two. How many did Bailey Zappi throw? Oh, my goodness. Did he throw any touchdowns? Five. Oh, no. I didn't know you had that Why many. isn't Bailey Zappi in the game? Maybe he's the next guy on the list. Mac Jones? Ryan Tannehill. Half the league, did they not even bother asking? Derek Carr. Derek Carr. All these guys that just don't want to go. Jacoby Brissett. Couldn't that be it? Did they ask 10 quarterbacks and they all said no? (laughs) Pretty much. So they got the Tyler Huntley. Jacoby Brissett. I also wondered about this. I should have asked Sal this during our segment, talking a lot about the salary cap. With Saffold and Dawkins and who was the third guy that made it for the Bills yesterday? Knox. Knox. Do any of... Do any of them have incentives in their contract that mean the Bills lose money? cap space? Oh, yeah, I hope not. Because this kind of is this a gambit by the league, by the players, that every player skips to give everybody else a raise? Oh, you're talking about collusion? Player you, collusion. Yeah, you say no, so you, some guy gets in and it helps their, they get more money. And yeah, hadn't thought about that. That'd be smart by the players to do that. Because if the news comes down, Bean gets it across his desk. What's that? Dawkins, Saffold, Knox, ah, geez, cap space. Don't you think they'll change this? And and because Pro Bowl is not earned on, on on what you've done on the field. Pro Bowl is seventeen guys decide not to go. You're in, and you're gonna get you're gonna get paid more in your contract because well, you made the Pro Bowl. I'm glad that you're, Roger just, Saffold's a Pro Bowler. They're just Pro Bowl games now because it's a lot more interesting to just have events and yeah. have some fun. Whoever wants to go can go have fun, and you know. Vacation on the league's dime. Good for Josh, by the way. I'd rather see him in the Pebble Beach this weekend than in the Pro Bowl. Oh, yeah. It's far more entertaining watching Josh play golf with all these celebrities. Yeah, but, and... but they'll get credit for being a Pro Bowler. Like, yes. You go to Tyrod Taylor's Pro Football Reference page right now, it does say one-time Pro Bowl. And he didn't get, like, he was an alternate uh, that ended up going because, like, three guys said no. Trevor Simeon is a Pro Bowler, right? Simeon said no to it, though. But does, I, it, does, I, it still means you are a Pro Bowler. Right? Um, as long as you're invited, do you get credit for being there, or do you have to physically show up and play? Simeon does not, on his page, does not have credit for it. I think it's that if you are one of the original names, like if you're one of uh, the first three that that gets nominated. Or play? Yeah, or play. Okay. But if you are an alternate and don't play, then you don't you get don't credit for that. That makes sense. You either have to go or you have to be one of the first the first guys voted there. Especially with the, the contract provisions now and how the Pro Bowl affects contracts and cap it, it's even more important to do that to make sure we don't credit guys without being there trevor sent me with three nicknames on his pro football reference Ooh. page by the way hold on i'm gonna go with <laughs> let, me, let me guess uh touch, are these touchdown trevor no um t-sim no you're getting i mean you're on you're Simmer. closer to the right Simmer. track t-sizzle T-Sizzle. We like, no, you're, that's you. You're, you're really close. Yeah, who's that? Terrell Suggs is T-Sizzle. Yeah, yeah he might be T-Sizzle. Simmer. Simeon is T-Money Sizzle. T-Money Sizzle. sizzle? Is yes. his first nickname. Everybody, of that's course, glorious. calls him T-Money Sizzle. Yes. T-Money Sizzle? And also T-Money Wiggle or oh T-Dot are his three nicknames. <laughs> Amazing. Turn down a Pro Bowl invite once T-Money upon a time. T-Money Sizzle. Well, what has happened more? Trevor Simeon has been My referred goodness. to as T-Money Sizzle, or Tom Brady has been called the Pharaoh. Oh, never. He's never been called That's that That's on ever. his pro football reference really? page as a nickname, the Pharaoh. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Who, what, the, uh, huh? You, the you, Pharaoh? You want to know my theory? Yeah. I mean, I've, somebody probably did it once, but 
people started calling Peyton Manning the sheriff, and Tom probably said to somebody, oh you got to give me a nickname better than the sheriff. Oh what about God. the pharaoh? <laughs> Peyton was the sheriff, and people did call him the sheriff. Yeah, no, I remember that. Absolutely called him the sheriff. The marshal, who would, be, would a marshal be above sheriff on pecking order? Let's get connected with our fans. Dan's been holding on in uh, Williamsville. Dan, go right ahead. You're on WGR. Hey, how you doing? Good. Um, I had you. a question about the replay. Um, when Kansas City got that uh, first down, the player reached his arm across, and of his own volition, he pulls his arm back. And when the player goes the wrong way, like the rule says forward progress um, has to do with the defense pushing you back, but um, it wasn't a touchdown where the play's over once it crosses. The player continues the play, pulls the ball back. Um, so I, I'm not sure, um, you know, what, how, how did they rule? How did they look at it through that whole commercial and not say, oh, yeah, that's not, he doesn't get the forward progress. It was his own, his own error. I didn't realize that was not, I'm going to tell you, I didn't realize that was the rule. I thought by him reaching forward, even though he pulled it back, he got the line by, by reaching forward. So I, you'd, you'd think if it's indeed the rule, Dan, that they would have said that in the break. Hey, yeah, he gained. Well, but you can't do that. The ball actually. So I don't know. I have no idea if that's the rule, how they all missed it in the break. So, which is fine. And, and let's just go with the, the rule it's called. One of the things I think they could do to fix it is if it's the league's, if it's the ref's mistake. So it, I, I'm not talking about the, the glitch I'm talking about here. Let, let's, let's go with as called. So Kansas City is correct. Which, by, by the way, lose. hey, you know what? Hey, I just forgot. One of the, which one? Pereira, whoever? Steratore? No, that was a Steratore. Gene Steratore was in the booth. Like, he, I don't remember him saying at any point, well, you can't give the first down to Marquez Valdez-Scatling because he pulled his arm back. So if the rule is on the books, nobody knew it. Yeah, right. well, the rule isn't, doesn't specifically say the arm. The rule talks about forward progress. progress yeah. yeah. And it talks about hmm. the defense, you know, pushing you back. Yeah. And so this is not the defense pushing you back. No, I, I would compare this to the same as had he run across the, the first down marker and run back a yard. Yeah. Right. What's the difference with your feet and your arm? It's you pulling the ball back. Yeah. I always think that – thanks, Dan. We've got to break in. I always think that the idea of diving and reaching for the first down, sometimes officials in a game will treat that like you're reaching for the goal line and you mm-hmm. reach the 32-yard line. Yeah. And other times they don't care about that. You know, it's just, uh, you were probably around here. Sal just texted me a link to Football Zebras on Twitter. Yeah, saw that. When a runner puts the ball forward and voluntarily takes it back, they do not get the forward reach. I did not know that, and my question would be, how did all of the NFL people not know that? That happened, this was not, oh my God, can't, somebody ran to the line and they, they had an entire break to look at this, right? They reversed mm-hmm. the call. Right? They, Isn't that, they, they used the break to look at it and reversed the, the ruling on the field, which he was short. How does someone not know in their own rule book it says uh, you can't give him the line to gain because he voluntarily pulled the ball, unless they ruled he didn't voluntarily pull the ball back. Wait, so if he reaches the ball out and then, and then brings his arm back, back, he's not supposed to get the additional the, yardage. The progress. Unless it's a touchdown. Correct. Yes. Breaking the play. This is where this is where like stupid sometimes we decide that plays continue and totally sometimes agree. we don't. Like a, a guy could be right, reaches the ball over the goal line, plays over. But unless it's a catch and now we have eight seconds of play that actually goes on beyond it to see if he actually completes it. This may be a dumb question, but I'm gonna ask it because I think it's a valid question. I don't remember the replay. Did he reach the ball forward and then the defender pulls the arm back? No, he pulls it back okay. to, to protect the ball. All right, I didn't remember what happened. So I don't, how's the, I don't know how the NFL misses that. 
Let's while we're at it, it's not perfect, but the Purdy fumble was that not blown dead? Yes, it was, and it should have been. Was it? it shouldn't have been? Yeah, the Eagles had the ball and they were running it back. That's right. I forgot about that. The Eagles, you're supposed to let the play continue and not use the whistle yep. because you have replay. I forgot all about that play. You're right. Blown dead. Philly had the ball, and we went through that for a long time. Let every play play out. Don't mm-hmm. blow it dead, which has happened number of times over the years. Yeah, yeah they're not supposed to blow the whistle. 803. How about the Kelsey lateral? Forget about that one. Oh, my God. He tried it. He didn't he he tried almost it, try he it again. He, he looked like he was going to do it a second time, I think, on that same drive. We right? were debating the guys that were watching it, whether or not he did that on his own or whether that was a design play. 100% design. You think 100% design? Yeah. In fact, there's a, a link to the, the dots. You know how like we get the dots now. The yep. next, And it would have been Bill Barnwell had this. Watch the dots. You, you pretty clearly see. Kelsey looked right away from McKinnon. He like he he yep. caught it and didn't even hesitate. It was like catch, pitch. It's, like it, he knew they, he they was ran coming. a tight end hook and ladder is what they ran here, which is cool by the way. McKinnon's coming out of the backfield. He is waiting and he's ready for it. And it would have got another like ten yards if they hit it. Maybe the second one was more of an improvisation. Improvisation, Joe. I don't remember that one, but he the way he reacted so fast to catch it and pitch it. You had to know he was waiting for the trailer to come. I think. I think we need more designed laterals in football. <laughs> more hooking Bar- ladders? Yes. Barnwell's anyway. comment was, this is this is from the future. Like, we soon will. Yeah. And maybe that becomes more of a regular part. Loved it. Hook and ladder in the first quarter of a conference championship game? Great. Look up. There's a play that the Buccaneers had with Winston, James Winston a few years ago where they had like 10 seconds to go, no timeouts, and they needed a touchdown on like the 30-yard line. They were in a QB draw up the middle with Winston. Everyone flooded to the middle of the field, and it was all a fake. He w- The play was designed as a throwback to Deshaun Jackson, huh. and they would have scored had Winston's lateral been better. Like That that was a design play because of the end of the game, but yeah. I like that. I think there should be more design laterals in football. More laterals. Yes. <laughs> 803 to join us. We, um... Oh, no, we did that. Yeah, okay, we're good. All right, we'll get a break. We got uh, folks on hold. We get connected with our fans, and we get back on WGR. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. All the things that this team went through. I've never been on a team this resilient. Just stuff that was was clearly out of our control. And guys just continue to fight and fight and a lot of it motivated motivated us, and just at the end, we just ran out of gas. Micah Hyde. Yeah, maybe we'll get to this more as the offseason goes, but I kind of brought it up with Sal. Poyer, we think gone. I think so. Edmonds, we don't know. Yeah. The defensive line very much being in the focus. Hyde, one year left. Mm-hmm. Oliver, one year left. It would be, if we weren't mad at the offense, a year where we would say, time for the next version mm-hmm. of the McDermott defense. It's almost like the the Trey White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Tremaine Edmonds defense turning the page mm-hmm. to, but, to a degree. Not not fully yet, but 
you know, Poyer and Edmonds could both be gone, and then I'm down to hide one year and tray off the injury. Like, uh, it's the next version of the Sean McDermott defense. Or you could take some of the monies you'd be spending on defense and use it on the offense. Well, yes, of course. But no, but I, they do. They have they have big decisions to make. That's why I just think, I think. I think Edmonds is going to be re-signed, and I think they're going to say they're going to do that knowing they're going to move on from Poyer and they're going to move on from Hyde, which might be younger players, cheaper players, taking over both safety spots. I don't think Ed Oliver's getting a monster contract and a second deal from the Bills. I think they're going to put their money into Edmonds. They still have Milano under contract for, what, a couple more years? You've got the, uh, the, the younger guys up front who don't have to worry about for a little while with Rousseau and Basham. And um, Epinesa, I don't know. I just I feel like Edmonds is going to be resigned because they're going to place his value more than older safeties and a rotational defensive tackle. Will they place his value, though, above something they think they might be able to get in the open market? Like, do they want to move that money to the offensive side of the football? You could. I mean, I mean that would be... Where would they spend that money? Is that where you spend it on there, a wide receiver? There, there's your challenge. The offensive line. You're oh gonna, yeah, that's yeah. They could. You're going to spend, spend it on a right tackle, an 18 million dollar right tackle. But, well, or you know, a 11 million dollar right tackle, or a cheaper guard. It's not an 18 million dollar guard, but maybe they would take it and spend some of it on a guard. Would that be a bad idea? Would it be a bad idea to 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 rather pay the best right tackle on the market 18 million over Tremaine Edmonds 18 million? Depends. What do you want that tackle to do? You want to be a good pass blocker or, or a I good want, run blocker? I mean, I want him to be a good pass, pass blocker. blocker. Okay. Yeah, if you're spending that kind of money, I need him it's, to be a pass blocker. There's a little bit of a, a trap here. I'm going to set I'm gonna set a trap for you. At least you J- gave us a warning. Okay, here it is. Okay. Josh Allen's the best in the NFL at avoiding sacks. Yeah. Do I really want to – it's not to say I, I – I, how much do I want to invest when part of my investment in him – is that he's so good at avoiding them. Let me change the question then that Joe asked, that we were just discussing. Forget right tackle. One of the bigger contracts being these guys gave out was at center. Mitch Morse. What if they decide Mitch Morse is done, move on, whatever? Maybe they take the big offensive line contract and find the next high-paid center for this team. Is that the same thing, though, that like anything on the offensive line is? And I I could listen to this, that Allen is – one of the best quarterbacks in the league at escaping pressure. So I have the benefit of being able to not spend that many assets on that versus someone that's got a pocket-passing quarterback where you need the good offensive line for them to execute. Allen, you don't. Well, that's why I asked, do you want him to run block really well? Do you want him to be good all around? Hmm. I'm looking at spot track. Mike McGlinchey, right tackle, 49ers, free agent. Market value? 10.7. 10.7. Oh, I thought it would have been higher, actually, for him. You want to just spend $11 million on a right tackle? Can I get a wide receiver first? David Questenberry is in that spot now, and Spencer Brown's in that spot as well. Uh, Jawan Taylor, mm-hmm. Jaguars, younger player, $6 million. You know, how, how much do you want to spend on right. the offensive line? Is it possible they could move Brown inside and then go get the right tackle? Like, could that be thinking of doing that? Wasn't Bean asked about Bean or McDermott? I thought one of them was asked about maybe moving Brown inside. He was. He's a gigantic person. For, yeah. I mean, they tried that with Cody Ford, too, who was also gigantic, yeah. right? Um, and this this got this gets down to how you spend your draft picks. Drafting a, a, a right tackle with your first round draft pick would save you. Let's say you were going to spend eleven on. Your right tackle mm-hmm. saves you, well, for, for intensive purposes, $11 million. 
You want to sign a really good wide receiver too? It's going to cost you. That's over like that. seventeen. Yeah, you'll save more money by going the receiver route. Yeah, so draft the wide receiver, sign the right tackle. If in your scenario for cap reasons, you'd be it's a yeah. I mean, I, they've uh, only spent money on. I mean, Daryl Williams was a bargain, right? Until they re-signed him. Yeah, Feliciano, and Feliciano was a, right. was a bargain. Quentin, Quentin Spain. Spain. It was no Morse was the biggest and. They, they move on from offensive linemen like nobody's business, yeah. except for Dawkins and Morse. Even Bates was... And in- matching his offer sheet yeah. was... Bates was interesting, though, because yeah. it was, yeah, let's see what you get. Right. Okay, right. fine, we'll match that. Like they, if, That's yeah. the thing. If you are confident enough, you would just have paid him that. No? By the way, the whole thing about factoring money to spend and all this other stuff, they'd still have to create the space for this stuff. Even if you – Edmonds is not figured into the cap next year. The Bills are over the cap without a Tremaine Edmonds contract even figured in. So if they wanted to find $11 million or $15 million for an offensive lineman, you need to create that space. They don't have space now, let alone money for the draft class, money for a free agent offensive lineman. They've got to find a way to – Restructure guys or cut guys and create space to make that move. Yeah, I don't. I, I just. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't. I think they're going to. I think they're going to re-sign Edmonds. I really think they're going to put a value on him and his importance to this defense, knowing there are going to be guys leaving this defense in free agency for the next two years. Jeremy, yes. Which one? Thank you. Uh, let's get to Scott in Rochester as we get connected with our fans. You're on WGR. Good morning, guys. Um... So you were just interviewing a guy about the Dolphins, and he, he kind of said something that was disturbing, if I'm a Bills fan. He, you guys were talking about McDaniel and, you know, how it went. And he talked about how the offense faltered at the end of the season. And he said there were two outlier games, and they were both against the Bills, yeah. which, which, which I find to be very telling about this coaching staff. Because clearly the Chargers and the 49ers had a good game plan against the Dolphins, and they really limited their offense. But the Bills coaching staff is so arrogant in the way that they want to play defense that they took nothing away from those games. They didn't adjust, and they just said, hey, you know what? We don't care what the 49ers and Chargers did. We're just going to do what we do because we know it's the best. And those are the two games where the Dolphins scored close to 30 points. And and that's just very an an indictment of this coaching staff, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where they just say, Hey, you know what? Even Baltimore, Baltimore against the Bengals in that first round of the playoffs, they had a good game plan, and the Buffalo just completely ignored it and just said, "We're going to do what we're going to do." I just don't understand why this coaching staff or where they get off with this arrogance, saying, "You know what? We see what all these other teams do that works, but we're just not going to take anything from it. We're just going to do our own thing." What do you guys think about that? Well, I wouldn't call the second Dolphins game an outlier. It was a backup quarterback. I mean, it's Skylar Thompson. No, he's. The game was to a here, the second regular season game? I know, we're talking about two outliers, the two Buffalo games. Oh, okay. One is the two a game Not... in the regular season, and one's the postseason game. Oh, I thought he meant the two. Okay. No? I thought he meant two played in both the regular season games. Yes, but he's talking about down the stretch, the offense faltered. I thought he meant the second were... game because they had played the 49ers and Chargers, and they were skunked offensively. Right. Then came here and scored 29. Right. And then they came here in the playoffs and scored 31. Okay. But the, I didn't realize that's how that. I understood it. The All offense right. faltered. I was confused. Yeah. I mean, in the Skylar Thompson game, the Dolphins had 3.3 yards per play. The, yeah. the, the offense for the Dolphins did not play well that day. Mm-hmm. The Bills' defense had a good day. They were just set up a bunch of times with like an 18-yard field and a strip sack fumble. But the point on Tua, yeah, he was really not playing well, and the offense was in trouble. New England, too, right? No, I'm sorry, Green Bay. 
He had a he had a bad day. He got concussed and threw three picks. And then they came here and they looked, looked like fine. they were prepared to beat the Bills. Well, again. they had a lead. Yeah, right. I don't know about. I, I mean, I'm not in the Bills meetings, Scott. I don't know if I'd say arrogance. I I, I would hope. First off, I think largely the Bills are. Um, you know, and Brian Dable used to talk about this as the offense when he was here as offensive coordinator, and the Bills do it on defense. The Bills believe they get they get ready for a game and think, okay, what's the best way to beat this team? But they do believe in what they do as opposed to, well, let's see, this team did this, so let's change our plan. Having said that, Scott, I'm not in the coaches' meetings. I'd like to believe if they're watching the game against the Niners where, my goodness, the Dolphins' offense was completely dominated. The game against the Chargers, where again, Tua and their offense looked lost. I'd like to believe that if they see some things that are working successfully, they would incorporate some of it into their game plan. So I'm not going to go with it's an arrogant lot, but I think by and large, they do what they believe they do best to beat an opponent each week. And they must have felt that there was no need to, either they didn't want to, or didn't think the right thing would be to just say, okay, this is the Niners game plan. We're going to do exactly that this week. Appreciate your call. Let's get a break. We'll come back. And uh, we got Extendo Sports. And at the top of the hour, it is the Extra Point Show with Joe and Sal from 10 to noon on WGR. Breaking sports news airs first here. Guaranteed. WGR Sports Radio 550. 2020 Sports. Extendo Sports. All right, we have a story I want to tell you out of Norfolk, Virginia. Put a couple of disclaimers on this story if we could. It's about a JV girls basketball team. Apparently a 13-year-old player on the team wasn't there, and a coach on the team put on the jersey and impersonated a 13-year-old girl playing basketball. Yeah, a young 20s-year-old coach, like 23, 24-year-old or whatever. And they have highlights of this, and this 23-year-old assistant coach is swatting shots that are brought to the lane, and it appears to be somewhat of a dominant performance. And I'd like to say that it's, of course, shameful and shouldn't happen and blah, blah, blah. But it's also a little bit objectively funny. And this is like Danny Almonte, right, when he was 15. Oh, that's right, the pitcher. Just gassing hitters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's obviously a thing about integrity, and I guess I have decided I would watch maybe a television show where we just knew this was the case, and it wasn't a lack of integrity, but here's Sneaky Joe. He's 25. We're putting him in a basketball game with 12-year-olds. How many can he go off for? Can you get 50? A couple of these kids might be good. I mean, there's something objectively funny about this mm-hmm. person just thinking. So they it's could... okay if I laugh at this. I'm, doesn't make me a, ma- a mean person. I mean, I don't think. You're I mean, the wish- video of swatting some poor 12 right. year old JV girl's shot. It's Happy Gilmore. Now you're all in big, big trouble playing dodgeball with the kids. I'd like to be in the discussion with the coaching staff when they first brought the idea up, and to yeah. hear like, "Hey, what if we have, you know, so and so just suit up and pretend to be the, the player?" It's a little bit funny. It is. There's it like is. an investigation. It's very strange. The, the the team canceled its season once everybody found out that this happened. And the assistant coach apparently does not work for the school yeah. district anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, they took it seriously, and they should, yes. obviously. That's yes. the wrong lesson. Now that share. they've done that, we can but. watch the highlights, and can't we say objectively, like, <laughs> how many points? How many rebounds? You get a triple-double out there against the 14-year-olds? It's just, oh, my God. Yeah. Get that out of here! Joe, you would be blocking shots left and right, right? I'd put up 50. I can put up 50. Nice. Taking guys to the hoop. Taking Maybe these I'll little try kids it. to the hoop all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. 
All right, Joe, what are your thoughts about doing a show? Uh, I like them. What are your thoughts about working with Sal? Good. Sal, though, uh, has a prior obligation in ah, that he will okay. not be until 11. So All right. you got just me for the, the first hour, and then Sal joined me for the second hour. By the way, on the way out, happy National Backward Day, everybody. Today national is National Backward, Backward Day. Day. So you're encouraged to do something backward. Not opposite day. Have dinner. Backward day. Backward day. Have dinner for breakfast or breakfast for dinner. Add coffee to your milk. Say goodbye instead of hello and answering the phone. Um, put your sweatshirt on backward. Is this I've one done of those national brec- backwards. I've day. done breakfast for dinner. I've never done dinner for breakfast. Watch a movie backward. Well, technically, if you've done breakfast for dinner, aren't you always doing dinner for breakfast? Think about it. Oh my God! You just blew my mind with that. I have to think. Thank God the show's over because I would totally <laughs> stop minutes. the show. I really couldn't be. I wouldn't even be able to talk for like. If, you didn't, if you've done breakfast for, for dinner, dinner, you've done. That means you're always doing food. dinner for breakfast. Yeah, I, I have to leave. Okay. I can't. I, 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 <laughs> you've eaten a waffle <laughs> for yes, dinner. You've right. eaten, well, now you're now eating a waffle is a is a dinner. Now it food. becomes dinner. Now you have it for breakfast. Right. All right. I'm still having lunch though. I'm thoroughly confused. All right, Extra Point Show with uh, Joe, and then Sal joining at 11 is on the way in moments. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.